Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, August the 18th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be talking about probably one of the most important items that I've talked about for some time on Wednesdays. And I'm going to begin with this question. You have the entire Bible memorized. You know every verse. You know what it says. Is there any need for you, therefore, to go to church? Is there any need for you to go to church? If you got the entire Bible memorized, why would you need to go to church? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that going to church has a goal. And the goal is to help you understand the Bible. Because the Bible is not easy to understand. And we're going to take a look at one passage. It was an Old Testament reading from last week. Proverbs chapter 9. And what does it say in verse 6? Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. What does that mean? Well, see, when you go to church, at least when you go and hear a sermon I'm going to be doing, I have two goals. Uh, The first is to give you an understanding of the text of which you are unaware, even though you may have it totally memorized. And the second is to leave with a great note of comfort. That means a distinction between law and gospel. For example, you can read Exodus and the Ten Commandments. Look how many people jump to the conclusion that the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to obey them so God is pleased with you and you are saved. Show me a religion outside of Christianity that doesn't understand the law in that sense, that salvation is by work righteousness. Now, see, you could have memorized Exodus, but you still haven't got it. This was a very common mistake on the part of the disciples. They, they knew Old Testament Bible passages, but they misunderstood them. They did not have insight as to what it means. So let's go through Proverbs chapter 9, and let me help you with some insight. Verse 1, wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars. Now, you can have that memorized, but do you have any understanding what that means? First of all, you have a metaphor called wisdom, and she's built her house, and she's also constructed seven pillars. Now, you can read that a hundred times, and you still won't know what it means. We pastors know what it means 
not only because we've been at the seminary, not only because we should know the original languages, Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, but more to the point that we see what God is really trying to say through this. So wisdom is often considered in the feminine, and we'll figure that out why in a little bit. But wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Well, when did that happen? That was part of the construction of the house of God built by Solomon. Remember, David wanted to build a house to worship God in, and God told the prophet, no, tell David, it's going to be Solomon who will build this house. But what is wisdom? If one carefully looks throughout Proverbs and other places in the Bible, wisdom is none other than God himself, and specifically the second person of the Godhead, namely Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who builds the house. And in this case, Proverbs is talking about Solomon's temple. Solomon didn't build it. He had instructions from God. And he built it according to what God said. And there were seven pillars in the temple. Now, what were those seven pillars? They were, in essence, characteristics of wisdom. The number one was counsel, that God gives good counsel. In fact, pastors know that very well, that we have people coming to church and they have questions and we try to answer them on the basis of scripture. Number two is knowledge. And we're not talking about knowledge in the sense of knowing the Bible verse. We're actually talking about knowing what the Bible verse means from God's point of view, which leads to number three, understanding. So the first three pillars of wisdom is God gives counsel. That's the word of God. Through it, you get knowledge and also understanding. That's the purpose of going to church. The insight that we're talking about is an understanding of the text, not just what the text says. Number four is might or strength. Wisdom is all-powerful. Nothing can overcome it. Why? Because in number five, he has power or authority. For example, Christ continues to build his church in worship today. Now, how does that come about? It comes about by the pastor having the authority from Christ himself to forgive your sins. He has no individual strength on his own to forgive sins because that comes 
from what happened at the cross, but he receives the authority to announce that your sins are forgiven. Then riches is the next pillar. And it's not referring to riches here on earth, but riches in being in the kingdom of God and receiving many, many blessings. And finally, you receive honor. That's the seventh pillar of wisdom. Why do you receive honor? Because God has declared you to be righteous in his sight. So he doesn't look down on you. And that righteousness came about not because you did a lot of good works that earned righteousness, but no, that righteousness came about because Christ granted it to you, particularly through the waters of baptism and through hearing the word of God. Verse 2, she has slaughtered her beasts, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table. Now, you can have that memorized, and you'll have a wrong understanding. Because slaughtered her beasts would mean the Old Testament sacrificial ceremonies. They were slaughtering a beast. But Hebrews makes it very clear that none of that slaughter resulted in the forgiveness of sins. No. Following the ceremonial laws, as many of the Pharisees believed, did not save anyone. Even following the moral laws didn't save anyone. You're saved through faith. Now, what was the end of the slaughtering of beasts? It was the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember, every slaughtering of a beast in the Old Testament pointed forward to the coming of the Messiah, who would be killed upon the cross. That's found throughout the Old Testament. And he would die payment for our sins. So, wisdom has slaughtered her beasts. Now, wisdom is God, and it's clear that he gave Moses ceremonial rules in the slaughtering of beasts. But they all were looking forward to the beast, the man that would be slaughtered on the cross. The next line, she has mixed her wine. Now, what's that referring to? That's referring to indeed a mixture of wine that wisdom has provided. For example, when they had great feasts in the Old Testament, there would be different mixtures of wine depending on the potency of the wine. Some had a little water, some had more water. But what's this mixture of wine that wisdom has given after the slaughtering 
of herself. It's obviously the Lord's Supper. And that's even more clear when you look at verse 2, the end of it. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. Now, we have a number of ways of referring to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is one of them. Or Holy Communion. Or the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But one of them that we often use is the table of the Lord. Jesus sets the table. And he gives us through the bread his body. And through the blood and through the wine, his blood. Verse 3, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Now, I already mentioned this, that wisdom is also and often in the feminine. In fact, it's talked about wisdom as queen, princess, or lady. Now, who is wisdom's queen, princess, or lady? Remember, Jesus is wisdom. Who is his bride? It is the church. And so what wisdom does, Jesus Christ, he sends out the church to call from the highest places in the town. Now, what's that referring to? Well, the highest place would be, of course, in Jerusalem at the temple. And what do they say? The church says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, whoever is simple, let him turn in hither. Now, what does simple mean? Simple doesn't mean just being stupid. It also doesn't mean being an unbeliever. Simple has the understanding of wanting to know the word of God but unable to grasp it until it is taught. That's the purpose you go to church because every sermon should give you an insight as to what is the sermon really talking about. What's God's point? In Wisdom's house, it's so well built and furnished. It is the church of Christ as a house of instruction, a school where such who are simple means they are weak, maybe they're foolish, and they may learn instruction. A school where such who are simple indeed can become knowledgeable. Remember the seven pillars of wisdom. In the school, that is the Holy Christian Church, there are many instructors. Saints instruct one another. There's pastors of the word 
who are teachers. But beyond all, it is the teaching of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because none teach like they do. Here many lessons are to be learned concerning yourself. Namely, you're a poor, miserable sinner. Concerning Christ, that he paid for your sins. And concerning their duty to God and men. All sorts of persons may learn here. Such who knew ever so much or ever so little. I've been a pastor a long time. And on a scale of 1 to 10, knowing the Bible, I say I'm probably at about a level 4. When I went at the seminary, I was less than 1. So, you never stop learning. And that occurs by listening to the instructors who are giving you the good news. The saints are travelers here in the church, and they need refreshment by the way of life. The church of God is a good accommodation. Here is room enough to help them, to benefit them. It's good lodging for rest and safety and good provision. And all at free cost. And now, these are the words of wisdom or Christ, either in person or by his maidens, namely members of the Holy Christian Church. His ministers inviting such who are simple to turn to the church and partake of the provisions in it. That is, not such who are quite stupid and insensible or incorrigible or irreclaimable, but those who are sensible of their folly and simplicity, who are but of weak capacities apt to be credulous and so easily imposed upon and deceived. That's the person that needs understanding. Obviously, Adam and Eve did not have that kind of understanding in the Garden of Eden as they were deceived by Satan to eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Had they realized that that wouldn't make them like God, they would not have done it, but they believed Satan and therefore left God's ways. Now, this is, as I said, Psalm 90 in the Old Testament. And yet listen to verse 5. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Now, that's wisdom talking. That's Jesus talking. And in a number of the New Testament verses these weeks, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. In the wilderness, they ate manna, but then they died. But in the Holy Christian Church, the eating of his bread, which is faith in his promises, is coupled with the Lord's Supper, where it says, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. See, this is giving insight 
into what at first glance doesn't appear to be anything in the New Testament, but it is actually referring, I believe, to the Lord's Supper. Verse 6, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Then there's a little bit of advice. Whoever corrects the scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. So what wisdom is saying here, the kind of people we're looking for to come into the church are not scoffers or wicked in and of themselves, but those who are open to hearing a proper understanding of God, knowing as verse 8 says, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Boy, that occurs all the time in the church where the pastor will do an adult instruction class and share insights into the Bible verses that the people were unaware of. And they will really get to appreciate the pastor. That also happens with parents, with their children, or maybe with you, instructing people at work or elsewhere. So, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. See, that's the point of this whole message that insight is needed, and yet it just doesn't come about automatically. It comes about by going into the house of God. And the house of God today for us is the Holy Christian Church. In that Christian church, you learn the wisdom of God as to how he thinks, and that can occur in a number of ways. It can occur through the hymns sung. We've noted a number of hymns that all by themselves give a wonderful summary account of the Christian faith. The liturgy, which is often taken from the Bible, is also very helpful. Then you have the sermon, which is an explanation of the insights. When you listen to a sermon, you should be hearing something you've never heard before because the pastor is providing you with insights, such as in Psalm 90, it's really referring to the Lord's Supper as wisdom mixes the wine, sets the table, and gives us his bread. So verse 10 is a good summary. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, how do we explain that? Why would we want to fear the Lord? We fear the Lord because the law makes it very clear that we do not deserve heaven at all. We are poor, miserable sinners deserving not only eternal punishment, 
but temporal punishment. And yet, in the confession of our sins, we have learned insight from the Holy One that He has forgiven your sins and He has done so because of His love for you. That's the insight of every Bible verse. So, Psalm 90, have somebody read it and ask them, what does that mean? And I doubt they'll bring Jesus Christ into it at all. But he is the wisdom. Remember the road to Emmaus and the disciples, they were walking along and they met Jesus. And Jesus began to explain to them the necessity of his death and resurrection. And their hearts leaped within them when they heard the insights from the Old Testament. So by nature, we don't know those insights. And therefore, in the church, we are to be instructed in them so that we might live a life pleasing to God in repenting of our sins and knowing that God is taking care of us at all times because he is the one who has built the pillars of the temple to instruct and protect us. I'm Tom Baker. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be talking with another pastor, our normal pastor, and we're going to be dealing with a subject that might be of interest to you. We haven't quite figured out which of three of them we're looking at, which one we want to talk to you about. But Wes Reimnitz and myself, Tom Baker, will be on the air to talk to you. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.